welcome to the AOL podcast. Let's dive right into this week's message. <laughs> Life is good. Okay, so yesterday, if you weren't here yesterday, we talked about you are in charge of a lot of things in your life, especially your thoughts. Nobody else is in there but you. You get to decide what you think on night and day. And your words. There is power in your words. You can have what you say. And I neglected to tell you a couple of great stories that I, I, they're so good I have to tell you this morning, okay, about the power of your words, things that happen in my own life, okay? The first one is when my first husband and I were starting our first church, I caught bronchitis. I had bronchitis for two years. If you've ever had bronchitis, you know it's this (laughs) coughing thing from deep in your lungs. Two years of coughing, folks, okay? I mean, I went to the doctor, I took the, the, the antibiotics, I did all the stuff I was supposed to, and I just coughed for two solid years. I mean, I used to play the piano for our church, and it was an upright, and I had the music across the front here, you know, little half sheets of paper with the chords on them, and I'd be playing along, and I'd cough, <coughs> and all the music would... <laughs> it was not convenient, and it was not fun, and it was not healthy, and, you know, Finally, after two years, the doctor says to me, this is the real abbreviated version of the story, but the doctor says to me, well, Karen, you've had this for so long now that your lungs have gotten weakened. They're kind of damaged. And from now on, anytime a cold goes by, you know, anytime you catch a cold or anything, it's going to go to your lungs and you're going to have this problem for the rest of your life. (laughs) And for some reason, when he said that, my lightning fast mind two years later, (laughs) I said, oh, no, we're not doing that. It finally dawned on me, this is a spiritual problem. Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) Don't be as slow as me, right? And so I realized if this is a spiritual problem, because I've done all that I'm supposed to in the natural, I've got to attack this in the spirit. So I went home, and I looked up a bunch of healing scriptures, and I made a cassette tape. Does anybody know what those are? Cassette tape? Yeah. This gives you an idea how long ago this was. And I made, I recorded myself reading a healing scripture, making a healing confession, and leaving spaces in it so that I could listen and make. Because I had two small babies in diapers. I was a pastor's wife. I ran the children's ministry, the music ministry, the money ministry, all the stuff, right? I didn't have enough time to eat, much less spend hours in the word that I needed to, right? So I made this cassette tape, and I just had it going all the time so that I'm hearing the word, and I'm speaking the word, and I'm hearing, and I'm speaking, and I'm hearing, and I'm speaking, and I'm hearing, and I'm speaking. And I'm telling you that bronchitis went away, and I've never had it again. Never had it again. But, see, it's because the word works. Let the word do the word. Desperate times call for desperate measures. And I got desperate. You know, we all know that about the word. We know that we need to maybe read it more, maybe meditate on it more, maybe speak it more. But until we do that, we're not putting it to work for us. I'm telling you, it works. It works, and especially if those desperate times, you've got to soak your spirit in it. You've got to say what God says more than you ever have before because faith comes by hearing. And when you hear yourself say it, whoo, you have, what did God do? He created the world with words. He framed the world with words. How would you like to frame your world? What needs changing in your world right now? Build a new framework for that and say what God says about it. The other one was um, 
when my children were growing up, we were so broke we couldn't afford to pay attention, okay? We, we had absolutely no extra money to put in savings. When, when I was a kid and my parents paid for me to go to college, so I just assumed that parents paid for kids to go to college, so I was going to pay for my kids to go to college, except I couldn't even pay my electric bill, right? So I started saying when they're very small, college is paid in full. That's it. That was my entire college savings plan. No money was involved, <laughs> okay? But I started saying what I wanted, framing my world of paying for college, right? So I would just say, college will be paid in full. College is paid in full. College is paid in full. Fast forward to um, I actually, the, the, my kid's dad died, you know, when they were 12 and 13. So here I am, a single mom. And I ended up going to work, long, long, long story, going to work at o Oral Roberts University in Tulsa. And you get tuition benefits. And so I buy, if you told me by myself I would have been able to put two kids through college, a private college, can we just talk about how much money that is, without anything, you know, and God did it. But <coughs> there's more to the story because in my son's, my second, my first son went all the way through. Yay, paid for him. My second son was in his junior year when I got a call from Rama saying, we have a position open here. Do you want to come over and be a teacher at Rama and work in the alumni office? <laughs> the answer is yes, yes, yes. I don't even have to pray. I did pray, but <coughs> anyway, <coughs> so I quit my job at ORU and then bye-bye tuition benefits, right? So I took out a loan to finish paying for my second son because I wasn't going to tell him, sorry, you're on your own now, right? And... Uh, and I started paying for it. You know, I was making a little bit more money than I had before, so I was paying on this loan, right? And one day, I, I, was, I was writing out the check to pay the payment for the loan, the college loan, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said, why did you stop saying college is paid in full? And I'm like, why did I? And so, from then on, every time I thought of it or every time I wrote out the check, I just said college is paid in full, right? And so... Uh, at the time, I had reached a certain age, and my life insurance policy was going to go up in premiums, and so I was shopping for new life insurance, right? I say that because I was getting in the mail, mail from life insurance companies that I normally would have thrown away, except that I was opening them in that season of my life. And so one day, I got this big envelope from a life insurance company that said, Mrs. Jensen, we noticed that your husband died. Now, I want you to know this is 16 years later after he had died, right? So I'm thinking, is this a scam, you know? Are they trying to get my his Social Security number and do something weird, you know? But I looked him up, and they were a real thing. And they said, if you fill out this form and send us a an original death certificate, we will send you your, what do they call it, the funds that they give you. Yeah, your death benefit, which I didn't know who they were or what death benefit we were talking about or how much it was or anything, right? So I filled out the form, and I went and looked in my file. And if you've ever had a loved one die, you know that the death certificate is the magic bullet. It's the gotta have it. It's the nothing is happening without it. And I wasn't sure I had any originals left. And 16 years later, I wasn't sure how I was going to get one. But lo and behold, in my file, there was one original death certificate left. So I mail it, right? So I mail it off. And because, and so then, a few weeks later, uh, I get another 
uh, envelope in the mail from a life insurance com company. This one's in an envelope this size. And again, would have thrown it away, except that I'm reading life insurance mail these days. So I open it, and it's a check for $33,000. I hold it up to the light because I'm thinking, is this real? You know how Publishers Clearinghouse sends you those things that look like checks, but they're not real, right? I actually deposited it in my account and waited a while to see if the bank called me and said, this is not real, you dummy, right? <coughs> and so I was able to, you know, pay off the loan and have some left over and invest some, and isn't the Lord good? And I know that, you know, wh so what happened? I finally, somebody figured out, because I didn't call these people to find out who they were or why they were giving me money, because I didn't want them to change their mind, <laughs> right? I have no idea where it came from. But I was telling this story somewhere, and someone came up to me later and said, did your husband ever belong to a union? And he did for a, about a half a year in Oregon work for a, a grocery store union. And so that's probably where it came from. And I'd totally forgotten about it, didn't even think about it. It was such a short time, right? But where was this information that I had a dead husband? Where did it stay for 16 years? And why did it raise to the top of somebody's pile so all of a sudden they noticed it? It had to be because I started saying college is paid in full. And doesn't it make you wonder what else we could be saying? You can frame your world with your words. And so today I want to talk about dreaming. I want to talk about let's move forward. Let's start. I call it dare to dream, okay, because this is a new day. We're starting new from now. And we found out that we can control our thoughts and we can control our words and we can forgive people and we can move forward. And, and so now I'm gonna, we're going to kind of do an exercise about dreaming, and, and, and so much of what you say has to do with this, too. And what you, like the video we watched, that God has you, he loves you. He has a purpose for your life. He's, you're noticed by him. You, he has a plan for you to fulfill. And if you're still breathing on the planet, then you're still a viable <laughs> commodity to God. You know, he still has things for you to do. And so I, I want I want to just kind of stir some of that stuff up today. Is that okay with you? Like, how are we going to move forward with God and do the things that he's called us to do? Because we already know who we are. We already know we are the righteousness of God in Christ. We already know he has a plan and a purpose for our life. We already know that we're the head and not the tail. We are somebody going, to hap go going somewhere to happen. We have the power. We're not victims anymore, right? We are in charge of so many things in our life. How many know sometimes you have a dream in your heart? Lots of us have had dreams in our heart, and we set out to do them, and something happened. Something either happened in life, and, and you know, or, or we fell flat on our face or whatever. It's time to get up and go again. Get up and go again. Don't let those things that held you down or stopped you before because what's on your heart is in there on purpose. One time when I was in my class at Rama, there's say there's 400 people in the room, and I asked the question, how many of you feel like you're called to be on television? And out of the 400 group person, maybe seven of them raised their hand. And I said, keep your hand up, and I want you to look around. 
And, and when the seven saw that there was only seven of them out of 400, they were surprised. Because how many of the devil tells you, well, what you, everybody wants to do that, so you can't. Has the devil ever told you that? Not you, because everybody wants to do that. I said, look around you. Does everybody want to do that? No, seven people out of 400. Meaning, what's in your heart is in there on purpose. And not everybody wants to do it, and not everybody can do it. God needs you to do it. He needs you to resurrect some of those things, to start a new day, okay? So let's see what this says. This is going to be interesting. There's a dream in your heart, and it's tied to your divine destiny. You have a divine destiny. Look at your neighbor and say, you have a divine destiny. You absolutely do. We all have a calling. I'm going to read Ephesians 2.10 to you because I want to be sure I say it right. You know, you know Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, I know the plans I have for you, plans for good and not for evil, that you can have hope and an expected end or expected outcome. I love that verse because you know what it means? There is a plan. Hallelujah. How many know when you get to be a certain age, you're like, how did I get here? What happened to the plan of God? My sons and I used to call it God's other plan A. After, after my husband died. Because I thought I would be married to this man the whole rest of my life. And then he dies at 37. Whoa, what happened to the plan, God? Well, God is not surprised by where we find ourselves. He is not surprised. We might be, but he is not, right? Ephesians 2.10 says it this way. For we are his workmanship. Or I like what one version says. We are his masterpiece. What's a masterpiece? It's the painting for which that artist is greatly known. Everybody's seen it. Everybody's wowed about it. That's you. You're God's masterpiece. You're his masterpiece. And it says, um, created in Christ Jesus for good works. What kind of works were you created for? Good ones, right? I know the plans I have for you, plans for good Created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Before you were born, God put giftings in you and a bent, if you will. Right? Some of you are bent to, like, beautiful decorations and you wrap presents beautifully and all that kind of stuff. I ain't got that. But you might. You know what I mean? We all have bents and talents and gifts and callings, and, and desires in our heart to do things. And don't, don't minimize those. You know, I knew a lady who, had, who loved puppies. <laughs> and so, she, thank God, she used that gift to become a dog breeder. You know what I mean? You might think, puppies, what does that have to do with the gospel? What does that have to do with anything? You know, that's, not, that's irrelevant, I had another friend who was who was such so good at throwing parties. Oh my gosh. And she's like, I don't have any gifts. I'm like, are you kidding me? I need you so much in our church to throw how many know there's four thousand parties a year at churches? Showers and funerals and weddings and all the things, right? And I'm a terrible party giver. I don't care if you eat off a pretty plate or drink out of a styrofoam cup. I just don't care. But she could make it beautiful, and everybody had a wonderful time. And I said, that's a gift. That's a bent. That's who God's called you to be, and it's helping all of us. 
So you have these things. Don't think that you don't have a gifting, that you don't have a desire, that you don't have a bent. The thing you love is the thing God wants to use. You think it's not important. And the other thing about that is when we have that, we think because it's easy for us, it's not important. You know what I mean? I used to have a music minister who thought preaching and standing up in front of everybody with the word was the most important thing. And what he did, which was organize one of the best worship teams I've ever seen and teach young people how to play, and he made their guitars. He made the instruments himself. He gave my sons the gift of music. They became guitar players and bass players and all this kind of stuff. And he just, he just uh, what do I want to say? He disregarded that. To him, that wasn't important because it was easy for him. Be careful you don't do that. What's easy for you is the gifting that God put in you beforehand, before you were even born. And it's important. When you do it as unto the Lord, it ends up blessing so many people. So I don't want you to disregard your gifting. It's absolutely vital to the body of Christ. We have a calling. It's your part in his kingdom, right? And not everyone has your dream. We talked about that. And we're all in, right now, we're all in different stages of our dream. Some of you can say right now, I am living the dream. Todd, he's living the dream. He's traveling and preaching. You can tell how much he loves it, right? And so then we all love it, <laughs> right? You, maybe some of you are living the dream. Maybe some of you have tried the dream and failed. Maybe some of you are just now taking some steps in the direction of the dream, and it's going way slower than you thought, right? <laughs> We're all in different places when it comes to the dream. Um, maybe, maybe life got crazy and your dream got buried or forgotten or left behind, you know? All different, different stages, but it's still in there, and I want to stir it up today, and it's a new day, right? Okay, next. Webster's definition of a dream. There's, the, there's more definitions than this, but I just picked these two. An idea or vision that's created in your imagination. Do you know that God gave you your imagination? It, it, use it for good and not for evil. How many know the devil can take over your imagination too? And you can picture yourself down the road of, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Stop that. Control those thoughts. Take those thoughts captive. And use your imagination for good. Picture what it looks like. What does your dream fulfilled look like? And even, if, you know, I mentioned Todd living the dream right now, but even he has more, right? Just because you may be living the dream, there's more. There's maybe for him, he wants to be heard by kings and presidents, you know? I mean, there's places in his heart that he's dreamed of preaching. And, and I'm not even talking about preaching, whatever. Whatever you're doing now, there's always more. Stir up that gift and do it more, okay? And don't ever think it's too late, okay? And it's something you have wanted very much to do or be for a long time. Well, it's time to dream again, and that's what I to totally want to talk about today. So what does the next one say? All things are possible. In case you were wondering, in case the devil has told you, you can't do it. It's not possible. Nobody wants that. Nobody's ever done that. You aren't going to make it. It's not going to happen. You know all the things that the devil says, right? God says, with God, all things are possible. With God, nothing shall be impossible. If you can believe, all things are possible to them who believe. How many are ready to believe today? Good, at least some of you. Hallelujah. It's okay. The rest of you, by the time we're done, maybe you will be too. Praise God. All right, next. Three keys to making your dream a reality. 
okay? Or moving up, shall we say, maybe to a new level in your dream, a new day, right? Okay, number one is you've got to determine to look forward and leave the past behind. And, and, and Todd really, you know, thank you for preaching half my message this morning because a lot of that has to do with forgiveness. You see, we're going to get down to that. You cannot change the past. You can't change what has already happened. You wish it hadn't, maybe. And maybe it was your own fault. That was That's the worst of all, right, that we made something happen and we shot ourselves in the foot or we it's our fault that it turned out this way. I'm telling you, pack those bags and keep moving down the road. You cannot change the past, and you can't go forward looking in the rearview mirror. You got to forgive and forget. You got to leave it behind. And, and and so much of that is your thoughts, right? That's why we talked about thoughts yesterday. When you find yourself thinking about if I coulda, woulda, shoulda, you take hold of those thoughts. You take them captive. Forgive yourself, or forgive whoever made you, or didn't make you, or <laughs> didn't help you, or did to you, and decide no, I'm gonna go down the road to the future. And don't make a camp in the land of hurt. You heard me talk yesterday about my book, Why God, Why. That's really about not making a camp in the land of hurt after something happened that you don't understand. Why did this happen, God? Keep moving forward. There are some things you still know. There are some things you're still called to. If, you, if you're having trouble with that, if you've made a camp in the land of hurt, you know, Psalm um, 23, 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. But that verse tells me something, that there is a valley of shadow. You know, I wish there wasn't. I wish I could wrap you in plastic wrap, keep you safe, put you in a closet, and nothing bad would ever happen to you. But what kind of life is that? It's boring, and it would never happen anyway. Can't be done. We've all been hurt, right? Things have tripped us up. And so the thing to do is the key word of that verse is through. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow, do not make a camp in the valley. And if you already have, time to break down the camp and keep going through. You know, I talk to a lot of people who have lost spouses because I'm, it happened to me, right? So I get all those calls. And, and I tell people, I promise you, if you keep going, if you get up every day and take one step at a time, you will eventually feel like yourself again. Or even a better version of yourself because you've pressed into God like never before. So don't make a camp in the land of hurt. Put the past behind. You have to forgive. I've written a book. Thank you for the commercial for my book, Todd. Called I Forgive You But. <laughs> it's for Christians because if you ask a Christian, are you harboring unforgiveness? We all say, oh, no, 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 no. I forgave them because we know we should. Right. We know we're supposed to. But how many know if those those 10 questions that we don't have yet because Todd talked about them too fast, but we're going to see them at lunch. If any of those things are still happening in our life, we are at but. I forgive them, but, right? And so this uh, is three steps to heal your heart forever. If you struggled with this, it's full of stories of people who have had miracles happen in their life. I think it's well documented by everything Todd said. Forgiveness is freedom. Forgiveness is freedom. If you've struggled with it, this book can help you because that's where the answers are. You know, so you got to forgive yourself and others. And, and I put Mark eleven twenty four, but I meant twenty five. Sorry, because twenty five is the one that says, "And when you stand praying, forgive." Right? Praise God. All right. Next key number one: determine to look forward. Key number two is have some guts. Look at your neighbor and say, "Have some guts." Now, Matthew seven six 
says, don't cast your, your, your dreams, if you will, before swine. In other words, sometimes your dreams can be fragile. If it's just in the infant stage in your brain, you don't have to tell it to everybody because some people will say, and you'll feel bad and you'll quit, right? So dreams can be fragile, but also don't let your dream be so fragile that if somebody disses you and says it can't be done or the devil harasses you about it, you give up. Don't give up. Never give up your dream. Don't let others tell you it can't be done. I have a list of people who would not let others tell them it couldn't be done. Walt Disney got fired from a local newspaper for not being creative enough. Hello, if you've ever been to anything Disney, you know the man has like got more creativity in his little finger than most of us do in our body. But when he got fired, he could have just laid down and said, well, I guess I'm not creative enough. Nope, he got back up. He kept going. A Baltimore TV producer told, fired Oprah Winfrey and told her she was unfit for television. She went on to run television, right? And now she owns a television channel and she's a cabillionaire, right? What if she'd given up after that, you know, after her dream had had a, a, a hole punched in it? <laughs> Don't give up. The manager of the Grand Old Opry in Nashville told Elvis Presley he couldn't sing and should go back to driving a truck. What if he'd given up? Abraham Lincoln, arguably one of America's greatest presidents, failed twice in business, suffered a nervous breakdown, and lost eight elections before he became president. How many know? Lots of chances to quit. Instead, he became one of America's greatest presidents. Um, Babe Ruth, home run king, right? <laughs> also, Strikeout king. He had more strikeouts than anybody in the league when he had the most home runs. Why? Because he's swinging for the fences, baby. <laughs> right? Did he let those strikeouts stop him? Nope. He just kept getting up there to the plate and swinging, and that's how he ended up as the home run king. I like the, uh, the example of Joseph in the Bible. When I get to heaven, he is the first guy I want to talk to. Because the things that happened, if you haven't read it, go to Genesis chapter, I believe it's 37, and read all the way through to the end, because Joseph is my hero. So many chances to quit and give up. He got betrayed. He did what was right and got thrown into prison. He got forgotten. He, 17-year-old kid sold into slavery uh, away from his father's house. I mean, by his brother's. You know, you may not get along all the time with your brothers, but when push comes to chub, you expect your brothers to watch your back. And his brothers sold him into slavery. And slaves have no options. When they get thrown into jail, they don't get three phone calls. Right? He had so many opportunities, but he is a post child for you can't keep a good man down. Right? So go read him. And I, I just want to say, too, it is not too late for your dream. The devil wants you to think so, but I'm telling you, if you're still breathing, it is not too late. It is not too late. You are not too old. It, it should have. One of his favorite lies is, if it was going to happen by now, it would have happened by now, right? Have you ever heard the devil tell you that? It's that faith and patience thing, that peanut butter and jelly thing. You got to add patience to your faith. You got to keep believing, because it's not too late. It's not too late. And you got to dare to take that step. All right? Show me what's next. All right. Key number three. So number one was you got to put the past behind. Number two, got to have some guts. 
And you do because greater is he that's in you than all the obstacles in the world, right? That's who you are. You, are, you have the greater one in you. And key number three is stir up the dream because I tell you what, people need you. Your dream is attached to people. Your calling is attached to people. Even if, you know, I always tell my students at Rama, just coming here and sitting in class all these days, which is going to change your life forever, but you don't know who's watching you do that and what an effect it's having on them, your obedience to step out and do what might seem like the most mundane thing. People are attached to that, and they need you to step up and have your dream fulfilled. So fire your inner critic and hire a cheerleading squad. Meaning, take control of your thoughts. Start telling yourself, if anybody can do this, I can. <laughs> God and me are a majority. We can make this happen. All right? There's something supernatural about writing it down. Habakkuk 2.2 says, write the vision and make it plain. So get ready, because I'm going to make you write some stuff today. And somebody has pen and paper. Who has pen and paper? I saw the pile of yellow uh, you have them over there? Oh, oh, oh no. Oh, every, you've all got it. Oh, good. We passed it out already. Okay, good, good, good. So there is there anybody here without pen and paper? Okay, good, because I'm going to make you write. Notice it says, let's do it. <laughs> all right. I am going to read you <clears throat> from a book that I like to read every, <laughs> every year. It's called Write It Down, Make It Happen. Is by Henriette Clauser, K-L-A-U-S-E-R. And she's not really a Christian. She's a Catholic, so she believes in God and does some interesting Catholic things. But this book is so amazing because of Habakkuk 2.2. Write the vision and make it plain so that those who read it can run with it. All right? And she tells stories in this book about writing things down that eventually happen. Now, I first, got met, I first found out about the book from my friend Kate, who writes things down, puts them in a file, and keeps track of them. And then I ran across it with my friend Joe, and he writes things down and puts it in a notebook and keeps it. But I've also done things where you write it down and throw it away. <laughs> it's not really where you write it down or how you write it down. It's the writing. It's supernatural. I'm going to read you some stories about people who wrote things, okay? Jim Carrey. Anybody know who he is? He's an actor, Okay. Jim Carrey walked up to the Hollywood Hills and wrote a check for himself for $10 million long before he was ever famous, before he ever was anybody, right? He, he wrote in the memo line for services rendered, and for years he carried the check around with him long before he was ever paid that kind of money for a movie. Now he's one of the highest paid entertainers in the industry, getting $20 million for a film. He wrote it down. Scott Adams, the creator of the comic Dilbert. Anybody remember Dilbert? It's a guy in an office, right? Yeah. Uh, Scott Adams has a whole string of writing down dreams that came true one step at a time. Adams says that when you write down a goal, you'll observe things happening that will make your, that objective more likely to materialize. As a lowly technology worker in a cubicle in corporate America, Adams kept doodling at his office desk. Then he began to write 15 times a day. So he wrote it over and over and over. Now, that's not required, but that's what he did. He wrote over and over and over, I will be the best cartoonist on the planet. Now, right now, he's nothing. He's not a cartoonist. He's, nobody's hired him or anything, but he's writing it 15 times a day. I will be the best cartoonist on the planet. 
Well, Dilbert is now in syndication. It's not now, this, when this book was written. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't read the comments anymore. Maybe it's still out there. Um, it, it's syndicated in almost 2,000 newspapers worldwide. The Dilbert Zone website gets 100,000 visitors a day. His first book, The Dilbert Principle, sold more than 1.3 million copies. Products from mouse pads to coffee cups to desk calendars based on the Dilbert character are everywhere, and there is even a weekly TV show. So now he writes 15 times a day, I will win a Pulitzer Prize. I started writing down before I ever went anywhere to speak, before I ever wrote a book. I was a writer all my life, but I wrote for other people all the time. I started writing down, I am a sought-after speaker and a published author. Well, so now I've written like six books, so now I've written down, I am a best-selling author. And I've written down, I'm not even going to tell you, because sometimes you write things down and it seems so audacious. One time I wrote, long, 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 long time ago, I wrote, I will be a Rama instructor. You guys, I didn't even go to Rama. okay? My husband went to Rama. I, I was a writer there. I, I didn't go. And, and at the time, they only hired people who'd gone there to school, of course. And I wrote down, I mean, in secret, where nobody could see it in the dark, I will be a Rama instructor. Look what the Lord has done. I'm telling you. And especially if when you're writing stuff down, if it's almost too scary to write down, like you think, I can't write that. That's a live one right there. Put a star by it. Okay? Because who's going to see it? Nobody, right? Why are we scared? I'm telling you, we need to expand our imaginations in God. He's called us to do some amazing things. Um, <clears throat> Suze Orman, who is a financial wizard, author of the number one New York bestsellers, The Nine Steps to Financial Freedom, and she's a was a frequent guest on Oprah. She tells how she started out. She got a job at Merrill Lynch and was terrified she wouldn't be able to meet her sales quota. The most she had ever made up till then was $400 a month as a waitress. She says, I created what I wanted for myself first on paper. So before she was anybody, before she was anything, right back when she was $400 a month waitress, every morning before I went to work, I would write over and over again, I am young, powerful, and successful, producing at least $10,000 a month. Now, if, you know, that probably exploded her brain, you know, from 400 to 10,000. What? But what's it going to hurt to write it down, right? It, even, even after surpassing that target figure, which, of course, she came to make $10,000 a month, she continued carrying the saying around with her. She said, I replaced the message of fear and my belief uh, that I was inadequate with a message of endless possibility. Everybody say endless possibility. I'm telling you, did we just read three scriptures that God says there's endless possibilities? All things are possible with him, right? Um, she, she wrote down her new truth, and it made it materialize. She, and this is Henriette. My own inspiration for this book came from closer to home. My son Peter, at the age of 12, came to me one day with a perplexed expression and a piece of paper in his hand. Mom, I found this from two years ago, this list. When I was cleaning my room, I don't know how, but everything on this list came to pass, and I'd forgotten that I even wrote it. Among, among other things, he had taken karate lessons, tried out for a play, slept overnight at the park, and gotten a bird. <laughs> See what I'm saying? It doesn't matter what you put down, and no nothing is off limits. Nothing is too dumb, right? 
Uh, um, let's see, all without being conscious of checking off items on the forgotten list. Peter's experience made me think. I noticed the same phenomenon happening in my own life. In one exciting and memorable week of my life, I managed to autograph books on Broadway in New York City, go backstage at the Metropolitan Opera, be interviewed on the radio for an audience of several million, hear Placido Domingo live in a full-length opera, and it wasn't until I got back to the West Coast that I found, like Peter before me, an old list of goals had all those things on it. I tell the story of Peter's list and my list in a chapter of this book called Put Your Heart on Paper. Like I said, my, my friend Kate used to do this, and she'd put it in a file. And sometimes, you know, you even miss a year, and you go back two or three years later, you read the list, and oh, amazingly. One year, I put, I will get a whole new set of uh, gourmet kitchen pans. I mean, what does that have to do with anything, right? I don't know. It was on my heart, and I wanted it. And then I got married, and my husband had them. I don't know, just a crazy thing that didn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter if you have a gourmet kitchen pan. But see, God knows the desires of your heart. What does it say in Psalm 37, 4? He will give you the desires of your heart. I say we step up and be bold and receive them. And we stir up some of those things that he's been talking to us about. You just never know. It doesn't hurt to write it down. And like I said, if you're scared to write it down, that's, that's a big one right there. It's on your heart. What does the next thing say? Okay, so here's how to, okay? I'm going to give you maybe, hmm, what time am I supposed to stop, Michelle? 11.05. Okay, I'll give you five minutes, but let's talk about this first, okay? Here's how you do it. You start to write. The only, one, the only rule is you date it, okay? You can do this. This is a lifetime thing, okay? I hope you do it every year for the rest of your life, every other month for the rest of your life, whatever you want. Just date it, because that's how you can tell when you last wrote it. Otherwise, you won't even remember sometimes. Depends on You can throw this paper away after you want, okay? Uh, it could be a list. It could be just free-flow sentences. If you're scared to write, just start writing down. I hate this. Why is she making me do this? I, don't, why, I, don't, I didn't come to church to write something today. Just start that way. I'm telling you, pen to paper. Just do it, okay? Just free-flow, all right? And pretty soon, you'll be surprised. Ask the Holy Ghost for help. Holy Spirit... You know, some of us have been so removed from our dream because of things that have happened in our life that we have sitting there thinking, I don't even have a dream. I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, ask the Holy Ghost because it's in there. I promise you. All right. Uh, continue your whole life. Keep it or toss it. Write it on a napkin or a paper. Keep it on your computer if you want. I don't care. Write it down. Right. If you're afraid to write it, that's a live one. Here's all sorts of categories you can write about. Personal categories. I want to get fit. I want to get healthy. And in fact, maybe instead of that, say, I want to weigh this amount of weight. Or I'm talking about specific things, right? It's one thing to say, I want to get healthy. Well, what does that look like to you? I want to look good in my pink outfit. You know what I'm saying? That kind of thing. Or I want my hair to be this long instead of this long. Or be specific if you can, because that just helps you realize if it happened or not, okay? Um, education. I want to go back to school. I want a degree in this. Or I want to I wanna learn about growing organic vegetables. Whatever, okay? Educate yourself. Spiritual growth. I want to memorize 10 scriptures a month. Or whatever. I want to know God more. Buy Karen's book, Closer Than You Ever Imagined. 
right? Just do things, right? Write it down. I want relationships. And I'm not, you know, spouses or, or ex-spouses or children or friends or your aunt and uncle or your niece and nephew, right? Maybe you're estranged from some of them. Write things down like we will be, have a warm and loving relationship and we'll even go to Paris together. Crazy stuff. I'm telling you, reach out. Grab a hold of it. Financial things, right? I want to earn this much money how, like Suze did, right? I want to earn this much money a month. Or I want to have saved up this much money by this much time. Or, you know, I will, blah, blah, blah. Start with I will. Picture yourself doing it. Use your imagination. Job. You want a new job, want a different job, at what, something different at your current job, or get a job, or whatever. In the ministry, I want to be, be used of God. I want to preach. I want to whatever. I will do this. I will do that. Um, business. I'm going to start up a business, or I, my current business is going to make this much money a year. Or You see what I'm, where I'm going with this? I'm just trying to prime the pump, give you some ideas, okay? Housekeeping, meaning I really like that picture I saw. So it's such a tense place, and I can't afford it, but that picture will hang in my house. You know, or I need new bedspreads on every bed. Or I want gourmet kitchen pans. <laughs> I'm talking about crazy stuff, okay? It gets, you, it gets you expecting. It gets your imagination out there. And the cool thing is it happens. It's so cool. All right, travel. I want to travel more. Put where you want to travel, when you want to travel, who you want to travel with. Here's my ideal trip. It looks like this. these people go on it, and we travel by train, plane, automobile, whatever, and we go to this, and we see that, and we do that. And, you know, I just want to travel everywhere, so that takes up a lot of paper, and I'm okay with that, you know? Right, I want to write a book. I want to write for this magazine. I want to write blah, blah, blah. I want to be this. And Lots of people come up to me because I've written a book and say, I have a book on my heart. And I always say, well, the rubber meets the road when the butt is in the chair. <laughs> writing, writing, writing. So put down something like, I will write for an hour every day. Or just crazy stuff, you know? Building. I want to build something. I want to build. <laughs> I want to build Lego houses. I want to build train yards. I want to build a new house. I want to build a shed. I want to build. I don't know. Whatever's in your heart, right? I want to learn something. I want to learn something. I want to help people. I want to do this with them. Next. I will give you five minutes while you are reading Nelson Mandela, who says, "Your playing small does not serve the world. Who are you not to be great?" On your mark, get set, right. If it's something that makes you laugh, it's even better. Don't be scared.
all right, I'm going to stop you, but I don't want to stop you for the rest of your life. You know, put this into practice. Make it a thing that you do. And, and, and you know, because we've talked about words and thoughts, now you have something to put your thoughts on, right? Instead of crisis or fear or or all the things the devil tries to feed you. Now you can use your imagination to think about some of those things on your list that are coming to pass and use your words to agree with them, right? You'd be so surprised by the things that happen, all right? Let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you for this time together in your word, this wonderful conference that Pastor Michelle and all the wonderful people here at Arena of Life have put on. I thank you for this time. This is a new day. I pray that goes into every heart and every mind in a new way today, that you've stirred up some of the things that you've called us to, that we're going to go forward and glorify you, tell people of the good news of the gospel, and live out the dreams that you've put in our hearts, Father. We dare to dream because you are almighty God, and all things are possible with you. I pray your blessing, your comfort, your strength upon every person here. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we want to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We pray that you heard from God and that this message was for you. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps us reach more people with this message. Arena of Life takes pride in connecting to God, to church, and to people. And we want to connect with you. So don't forget to check us out on all social media platforms, to check out our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and to download the Church Center app and to choose Arena of Life as your church. And a special thanks to those who make a difference by giving generously. You help us change lives and produce weekly content like this that reaches the world. If you're interested in partnering with us, you can give by clicking the link in our bio through the website, arenaoflifechurch.org, or through the Church Center app. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and we'll see you next week.